The dark web can be like a restaurant for identity thieves. Hi, ready to order? I'll have the driver's license number. Great, that comes with a home address or a birth date. Ooh, both, please. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. Hello there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you for episode 352. Xana, you baddie same, uh, shaming son of a bitch. Well, there we go, mumbling again. Well, <clears throat> a month and a half from being one year sober and I'm still slurring my language without the alcohol. There you go. So, uh, what? And I'm trying to stay away from those filling words. I just did it, ah, uh, but... It is Christmas. We are in the Keys, and uh, we do things a lot like you do in your neck of the woods. You know, they still do the tree lighting and all that stuff. We uh, dress our dogs up with, like, reindeer. We uh, do the lights things. The neighborhood, we're fortunate we have one, two, three, four houses in a row on our street that are decorated. The Keys aren't like your normal run-in-the-mill places, you know. Not everyone decorates for it. There's other. There's all reasons for not decorating. First of all, you know, maybe they're Jehovah Witness. They don't do that stuff, or Jewish, or non-religious. You know, I'm I'm not super religious, but I still decorate for Christmas, and I I still consider myself spiritual. But uh, we have uh, been not struggling, but we you know, we decorate the house. We we always do a little twist on it. We did a we did the icicle lights, and then we do some colored lights out front, decorating some of the bushes and trees and palms. And then our neighbor next door really stepped it up um, on either side of us. So we we got a nice thing, and we got the person across the street. We have probably the highest percentage. We probably have almost fifty percent of the houses are decorated on our street this year, uh, which is pretty much as good as it gets in most places in the Keys, unless you're on the street, maybe in Key West or in Alvarado, where almost all the houses are. But uh, we, we do, we have our main uh, tree right in front of our government center at 102, 102, mile marker 102, which is directly across from our restaurant, the Catch Restaurant and Bar in Key Largo. Please come and see me if you're down here during, uh, well, anytime. And, uh, just message me at jim at keysbartender.com and I'll be on the lookout for you. Or, you know, if I should be looking out for you. Uh, I haven't had uh, any stalkers, but I've had, I had some people come come in. It's nice to have um, the people that listen to podcasts. And I've had more than a few come in and they kind of already know me. And if you want me to know you, you can send me an email or anything like that. I know I fucking curse and do shit like that, but you don't have to send me anything inappropriate, no pictures or anything like that. I mean, let's say it's a picture of you so I could be on the lookout for you, but it doesn't have to be uh, in states of undress, which I haven't had that problem yet. Uh, Yet. See, I'm envisioning that. See, am I hopefully thinking that? Maybe maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but I'm not asking for that. Uh, What... 
the topic on the episode I just wanted to open up with was we all know the Rudolph story. It was originally, before it was a story, it was a song by, I think it was, I got to remember the guy. Maybe it was Will Rogers or Randolph Scott. Randolph Scott was a... uh, a Western actor, but I, it was one of the one of those guys who sang this song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I guess the people that made the cartoon at Hanna-Barbera back in the early 60s, I think it was 60, 1960 or something like that, they had the, only the song to work with. And, you know, the person who wrote the song probably thought that was a good idea to do it, but they really didn't think about it. You know, if you think about the messaging behind it, if Santa is this guy that travels around the world and, you know, takes care of children in the most innocent manner, meaning gives them gifts, fills their stockings and all those things that you figure Santa. Oh, there we go. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pause this for a second. I'll be right back. One moment. Oh, we're back. Yes. When the wife calls, I pick up right away. And I apologize for that. But we were talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, uh, first of all, there's, if you do end up having your child ends up having a nose that, uh, a nose that glows, that generates its own light then that is a serious problem that's that's probably a radiation mutation or something like that it could be radon it could be like you're in one of those Nevada nuclear test sites and things like that you should certainly go and see medical or seek medical advice for that go to the appropriate people but the messaging behind it is that you know, the fucking reindeer. You know, we're supposed to admire these reindeer. Comet, Blitzen, uh, Prancer, on Prancer, on Donner, Dixon, 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 something, all those assholes. I mean, they're assholes if, you know, that the main thing they did was make fun of Rudolph and Rudolph having something that glowing nose is not just a abnormally, it's not like anomaly like being very tall and having red hair it is a, a an adapt, adaptation that he had and I probably that could probably be one of the ones that would be considering what the reaction was it would be a beneficial adaptation for reindeer that have to travel through bad weather to have the proper FAA required lighting warning lights for you know, that's, I guess that came about when that song came about. People say, well, you, you know, it's funny. They're flying around, but there's, they, don't have any, they don't have any signaling lights on the reindeer. They don't have anything. Like, you know, you figure they would have maybe like a lantern or something like that. And, but the, the reindeer. So they're making fucking fun of Rudolph for whatever stupid games that they're playing which are probably all daytime games because if it couldn't be hide and seek at night, right? Because Rudolph couldn't play at night. 
uh, hide and seek with the reindeer, one of those games, he wouldn't be able, even if they accepted him, he would have to be the, uh, I guess he'd have to be always be the one that's looking. Because at nighttime, you would have seen that him, right? So, uh, and Santa went along with it. Santa, in, the, in the cartoon, at least. You know, Santa didn't go, say, where... Santa was the CEO, head of the operations, head of the reindeer, all that stuff. I don't care who the main reindeer was. Santa's, if it's a pyramid, it's uh, Santa, then it's arguably either the elves and then reindeer, or reindeer and then elves. But Santa's at the top of that fucking power pyramid, and he should have put the kibosh on that, saying, whoa, that's not one of the messages we give, because, you know, when we, when we, the reindeer when we take the sleigh out and we take presents to all the kids we don't take to all the kids that are perfect or that are beautiful we take it to all the kids now in Santa Claus coming to town they did the thing it was you know about checking the list and checking it twice and he says I guess they're all all right you know, just decided said we'll just get all of them. He didn't. He didn't say we're just going to give it to the kids that aren't in wheelchairs, or the ones that aren't uh, club-footed. Just all of them. So he should have said that this is the messaging. This is what the messaging Santa's having. We're not going to go and ostracize Rudolph, and he would have been inside it anyway, and Rudolph would have just been in the chain of reindeer and then it says Rudolph with your it should have been oh well there happened to be this uh, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose and if you ever saw it you would even say it glows all the other reindeer thought that was interesting and they played a lot of games except for hide and seek at night because Rudolph would be always set you know found and you know Rudolph, you know, was the younger one, so he'd be further in the back. But one, uh, wait, wait, uh, who's, who's, who? oh, just wait. Rudolph the reindeer's reindeer had a very shiny nose. If you say it glows, all the under reindeer would invite him to play, and they always, uh, they always let reindeer. Uh, all the then came one foggy Christmas Eve. Did Santa? came to say, hey Rudolph instead of being in the back row why don't you go to the front row and you know what, and one of the head elves go, you know Santa, that's a good idea that fucking reindeer should have been right up there, and you know what we need to get all the reindeers you know, if we can get all the reindeers uh, or all the leading reindeers with red noses, because you don't want to if it's really bright, you don't want to be blinding the, the reindeer you know well I guess not you could be all all the reindeer can have red noses so they should have just you know isolated now they could isolate with the CRISPR gene CRISPR technology if you don't know about gene CRISPR technology it's isolating benevolent traits and getting rid of bad ones so that red nose would be say hey that's a good trait to have so that would be eugenics so that would be a bad thing we'd be going down the wrong fucking road there so see it's a slippery slope we make fun of Rudolph for having a maladaptation or a positive adaptation and then they use it and then some crazy elf 
let's say an elf with a German name. You know, let's say Sparkle Eichmann decides to start breeding, especially red-nosed reindeers, and say they're the superior reindeer. You can go to, you can actually go the other way. She should have been neutral and say, "Hey, listen, some of the reindeer is going to have." Some of the reindeers are going to have red noses. Some of them aren't, but they're all pretty good. So you got the flying reindeer. They use it uh, for the uh, sleigh. But the, the, uh, the flying ones with the noses, we're going to put them up front. Okay. So that's that should have been the message. They should have kiboshed that. They could have changed that song. I started changing the song already. You know? So the messaging at the end of it, and then Rudolph and then in the cartoon, they went and doubled down. They doubled down on that, right? Rudolph goes, takes off with uh, Herbie, the elf that wants to be a dentist. Uh, and they end up getting to eventually wind up on the island of misfit toys. That's the doubling down part where you get the toys are pretty good toys you know if you think about it I mean a squirt gun that squirts jelly I mean and 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 changing the name from Jack in the Box to Bob in the Box how is that anything now yeah yeah a train with square wheels I mean it could have been they could have used like a tread like a bulldozer or tank, probably be pretty good. Or you know, a plane that flies, a boat that sinks. You can say that, but sinking boat is really it's kind of worthless. So that those kind of toys, they're things that aren't viable. They just wouldn't last. It's like not having, you know, not being able to survive. But there's all these other toys that weren't inappropriate. Just having a polka dotted elephant toy does not make it less of a toy so that message could have been cleaned up a lot better I think they just did that and it's kind of in the end you know just say hey listen you if, if you're different we're going to ostracize you but if we can use that difference to our benefit then we're going to celebrate you wrong message so um, we're I know, it's a cute story and all that stuff. And why do you have to ruin it for us? It's real. Well, you know what? They changed the grim fairy tales. You know, most of those kids in those stories when it came out, they were murdered in the stories, in the grim fairy tales. There were some horrible stories. You know, there was some the almond tree. And there were lesser known stories. But a lot of those stories were Little Match Girl. Little Match Girl freezes to death. On during a Christmas, I think it's a Christmas thing or something in winter, she's selling matches and she goes through all her matches and she dies in, uh, in the end after exhausting all of her items that she's selling. Right? This is horrible story. It's just, hey, listen, I'm part German ancestry, so I'm going to say some of the German stories they do really fucked up these cautionary tales they used to tell. 
and the, the little match girl was ugly, and there was other ones too. There's just horrible stories. Uh, I don't know how they got to be famous. It's not that they're they're probably because they're so morbid, so fucking morbid. But then you have the Grinch story that came out. The later ones, Doctor Zeus, he really knew what he shit. See. Grinch was crabby and all that stuff, and he saw that people, even with all this shit they got, with all it taken away, they go out and celebrate, and then he realized the true meaning of Christmas. That's a fucking story. That's something I can get behind. Yeah, the Grinch was kind of a douche. Go and take it every fucking thing, even all the nails. You know? that. But, I mean, I guess he you had to show how low he could go to see how high he could rise so that brings me back to Ghost of Christmas Past just remembering as a child it's Christmas um, my, I came from a, a middle class firmly in the middle maybe a little lower middle class but Christmas mom and dad went way out and I really I guess I didn't appreciate it then I appreciate it now but it was loot 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 when I say loot I mean treasures, tons of shit under the tree. Wake up in the morning, I'd wake up, and my brother and my sister, we'd wake up some crazy time, 5 a.m. in the morning. You know, never before when it was school day, we you had to drag us out of bed. But just like any kid, you're up, you want to, you want to wait, but you're wait. Sometimes you'd wait in bed, sometimes you go and take a peek out and stuff. And sometimes you don't want to take a peek out because they said, you know, if you saw Santa, that he would take, he would leave and all this stuff, so up until I was seven, I would never look look outside, you know, just, I never caught, never had an inkling, it was dad and mom putting that shit out, never had an inkling until I was seven, my dad had to tell me, when my dad told me, I was like, what, are you kidding me, are you kidding me, how, how, no way, I would have heard that, I mean, I was, I was up to their shit already, I mean, I thought I was, yeah, yeah you're not going to pull any of that stuff away. No, they did. They did for, and I guess because all the other kids, were, I was seven or eight years old when I, when I found out, and uh, so you had all the, we had piles of toys. I remember tons of toys. You had pictures of it. So big, heavy duty toys, the Tonka trucks. If um, if you took it, a Tonka truck, and let's say you were in the woods with someone, you could crush a hobo's skull. Tonka dump truck. It was so heavily made. I mean, this was heavy. The steel that went into Tonka trucks was heavier than the metal that you get on most cars nowadays. It was just thick and heavy. The fire truck, you could stand on the fire truck. It was just crazy. And then uh, you get like a helicopter with the big blades and it could blades if you got the batteries and the fresh batteries could actually decapitate someone. No, it wasn't. They, they didn't, the blades weren't that sharp. They, they, they were smart enough for toys back then, but the, the guns did look like guns. When you got an AK-40, when you got an M-16, it looked like an M-16, a smaller version, but it was an M-16. And uh, they used to have big fucking stockings with a bunch of stuff in there. And then you have the thing with the grandparents, I'm recalling that, and I know it's things you've done. I have one grandparent who had 14 grandchildren, and how how could you expect her to go all 
out with that. But we go and see her, and she'd still put out. We'd have nice presents from her. It was really nice. I love going. I love my maternal grandmother. She was uh, very warm. It's fun. She always has cookies and donuts and stuff like that. We do that, and then I go to my paternal grandmother, who was a little. Uh, uh, she, I loved her first, just as much, but she wasn't effusive as uh, with us with her emotions. But she had an elegantly uh, appointed decorations in the house, right? And she put out presents. She had breakfast. It'd be, you know, it'd be like pajamas, underwear, socks. Real, you know, that's the stuff she got us. But she would, um, my paternal grandmother would actually fill the stockings too. And it was weird. The grandmother, she, she, she's the grand, same grandmother. Paternal, my paternal grandmother, my grandmother Haran. The gifts on her tree were things that you'd make fun of that grandparents give you socks, underwear, and stuff like that. The gifts, it's like a whole nother person filled the stockings for her. Because in the stockings, back in, now we're talking about 1968, 69, 70, 71, 72, she used to have the little electronic toys, uh, a radio flashlights uh, matchboxes uh, little uh, uh, all, all these great stuff and you would have a toothbrush and stuff like that in there and orange because that was the thing they always did they threw an orange in there because when she was a child in 1915 1916 it was a big fucking deal when you got an orange in December because they didn't see oranges one of those things. You've seen, seen some fruit, you know, fresh fruit. You go, wow, holy crap. They went they went to town. There's an apple. You know? Uh, there, there, there was a can of nuts. That was a big thing for them. So, I don't know if they did it because my grandmother was like old order German in Pennsylvania, kind of like Dwight Schrute, kind of, if you watch The Office. So, you had all those as a kid, and then we still had great presents. We were getting ten-speed bikes. You know, I remember one year, oh, it was, uh, we grew up outside in the mid-Atlantic states. So sometimes it would be below freezing. Sometimes it would be 40, 50 degrees. Well, one year we had a nice, you know, six, seven inches of snow, and that was. And for years we didn't have snow on Christmas, but that was the year I got my ten-speed bike. And don't you know, you get a bike, the first thing you want to do is you got to fucking ride that bike. I never really attempted to ride a bike in the snow. Or if I did, it was one of those ones when you had the, the you know, the handlebars that, uh, that came up and the, 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 the long seat with the back bars on it and top. But the, uh, it was probably easier to ride those bikes. I guess I learned. But the ten-speed bike with a much more skinny tire. That was a great lesson to learn that day. When I made, uh, I rode off the front uh, front door on the covered concrete, and then hit the driveway, going perpendicular to the driveway for about two feet and 
and falling straight over and being out of commission for the next two days. That was fucking awesome. But then you get older and you get all this other things. You start getting, you know, different toys. Not the less variety and stuff like that. And then it becomes less about getting things. And then you start making the transition of buying things for other people. Your girlfriend. Your parents. Your grandma. You know, your brother and sister. You gotta think about those gifts. And it was always the girlfriend. And it was funny. I came from a small family. I don't know if we exchanged a lot. We did uh, in the first couple years, we just before my siblings got married, we would just exchange gifts in the family and make sure I get my grandma, my father, my mom, my brother, my sister, and then whoever I was seeing, a girl at the time, um, get them. And then as time went on, they started, when more partners came involved, like a significant others, we started doing a uh, secret Santa. And then you pick somebody and get them their gifts. But then you have to get your girlfriend a gift. And this, the thing I would do, my uh, my best friend at the time, he had 12 brothers and sisters and a bunch of nephews and stuff like that. And that, I think they did that too, right? They did the Secret Santa. And he gets gifts for, gets gifts for people. And we do all our shopping on Christmas Eve for four or five years and my buddy's father had a flower shop and a couple days before Christmas uh, I was working at catering and we would do uh, I would I would deliver poinsettias it was always poinsettias or some Christmas arrangement of flowers but there were tons of people would send flowers during Christmas you don't even think it was it was uh, poinsettias and arrangements and we'd go all over the city all over the city we'd be driving and I didn't you know I had I I was I was drinking a ton and all that stuff but he'd pay in cash at the end of it you have the tip money and all this stuff you take all the money you buy Christmas Eve I would buy it was that was the plan I'd go and get my and I always it was almost every year I had a girlfriend after Christmas maybe it wouldn't last too only uh, one or two years that lasted more than one year. And the planning was not so great when you have to get someone for someone who's supposed to, you're supposed to establishing the significance of how they are in your life by the thought you put, the level of thought you put into their presence. And ever one year, it was, I think it was 89. It was a year we were about to, I think, Ceausescu in Romania was being overthrown. He was the dictator of Romania. And Panama, we were about to go to war in Panama or something like that. The U.S. was going to invade Panama. And, and that could have been 80, 89. But we'd go Christmas shopping at, uh, Christmas Eve shopping at the mall, my buddy and I. And there was a bar in the mall. And we'd just get it all done and then we'd go and drink in the, in the bar. Yeah, real, real classy, right? Uh, and I remember that one year I brought the when I got all those presents. I thought it were good presents. I thought I got great presents for my girlfriend at the time. I think I got her a some crazy calculator at the time, and you know, a watch, 
should, what I should have done is gotten some jewelry, like a nice necklace, and you know, and maybe nice pajamas or something like a negligee. Like, but you know, that's in retrospect. That's in retrospect. So I did that for a while, and then we started transitioning and started buying a little earlier. I do it a couple of days before I say, you know what, I should get these gifts a week before or something like that. And no, eventually there was no. The only thing I got on Christmas Eve was maybe a couple cards or a, a gift I forgot. But then we got into this idea. This was a, a new one. This is all before 2001. Because 2001 changed everything. Um, we used to do these parties when I lived with my buddy or I lived with some, uh, another friend. We would have these Christmas Eve parties. That was a brilliant idea because no one was working and we'd have a Christmas Eve party. One uh, for a couple of years, I lived in this loft apartment. It had 25 foot ceilings. You heard the story before. I went to this lot, this Christmas tree lot, uh, a week or two before Christmas, and they still had trees. You know, it wasn't like a week or two before Christmas. You know, almost all the trees are gone. But I remember the trees lots being full like two, three days before when I was a kid. No one put their tree up before, like a, or more than a week before Christmas. But I went to this Christmas tree lot about week and a half before Christmas, two weeks before Christmas, and my uh, a friend of mine owned the lot, and what he would do is he got all the trees for all the other Christmas tree lots in our part of Philadelphia, and he had a huge, it was a, it's like a half acre full of trees, and that's a lot of trees on a half acre for there, and they would be coming in and going out, you just see the trees coming, uh, you they have these state buddy trucks come in, they load them up on trees and take them someplace else. So I told him, I told my buddy, I said, listen, we're, uh, I had this station wagon and I asked him, I said, listen, I want to buy a tree. I want to get the biggest tree we got because while well, the biggest trees are over here, I'll give you any of those trees for 50 bucks. So he saw me with the station wagon, he figured, well, boy, there's only a certain size tree I would take. Well, he didn't realize that I wasn't uh, going to think it out very well. I would take a tree that's bigger than the car. And I did. And it was, I think it was still strung up, you know, where it's banded around. And I put it on. And the back of the tree, the stump, was, which I should have put it the other way around, but I really wanted to see. I put the, the pointy end over it, came over this. Actually went all the way over the hood, down past the grill, and the back of the tree went about three feet over the back of the station wagon. So it was easy. It was easy twelve, maybe thirteen feet high, maybe more, maybe more. I don't want to. I don't want to really under say, but I'll say twelve, thirteen. If it was fifteen, people from Philly said like they were saying that was a twenty foot tree. Uh, it was a big tree, but I got the tree. I'm, I'm loading it. I, I, uh, the guy, I, I gave a guy 10 bucks. He helped me get it on there. And then a friend of mine, Frank Maricone, shout out to Frank Maricone in Philadelphia. He and his brother, I think Brian is his name, he, they were there picking out a tree. And they saw me putting the tree on the stage way. And they're laughing. And they're going, are you kidding me? And I said, yeah. And he goes, Oh, you're putting it up in your house. And he was in 
the loft before. Um, and he, he said, oh, now I get it. So they uh, helped me take it there. Take, I mean, I think they, or maybe they wanted to help me load it on, but I drove it to the loft. And they had these big industrial elevators, and I, I couldn't fit it all the way in the elevator, so I had to kind of cur- curl it around. And uh, there was a shitload of pine needles. It's funny. I had to sweep up the first floor of about 50 yards of the hallway underneath and another 30 yards from the elevator on the second floor where we lived to where my apartment was. I had to sweep up all these pine needles or my landlord would have freaked out. I got, I pulled the tree through the uh, door and then we put a rope on the top of the tree, uh, a thin rope, and we threw it over a drainage pipe, which was like easily 12 inches wide, and that was where all the water ran through off the, off the roof of the warehouse. And we pulled it up and hoisted it and put it in a big half barrel that was cut down about, uh, you know, it was about 18 inches deep. And I would put in like, I put like 10 gallons of water in there and pulled it up. And uh, we had that tree. We had a big ass tree. And we do this Christmas. I know it's a long story, but, you know, at the end of it, my buddy said, I've got the tree and he'd have to take it down. He took a chainsaw and he cut the tree down to like six big pieces and threw it out the big warehouse windows onto the sidewalk and then bundled them up left them there for the trash guys to come and pick them up. Just found this tr- you know, these trash guys came by and found this big tree, Christmas tree cut up and bundled up into pieces. But we had this huge Christmas parties we'd go and do. And the one with the tree I recall, and this is the most memorable one we had uh, easy 100 people or more come in and out of that party uh, and I guess I partook. We had a, we had someone that was bartending. We had a, a keg or two. And at the end of the night, I just don't even recall. I remember the next day, I woke up in my room, and our bedrooms were on the second floor of this loft. That was the bedrooms were, even though the whole ceiling was open up, we had our second floor bedrooms enclosed with a walkway overlooking the rest of the loft apartment. And I woke up and I looked over in my bed and I, uh, there was someone that looked like my coworker who was married and I was friends with her husband and, uh, wow, I go, oh my God. And I turned around. Now I was still kind of hung over and stuff like that. And it took me a while because that was the in the forefront. That's all I saw. I saw her, I saw her, I saw her. And then I realized it wasn't her. It was a girl I had just started seeing like a, a couple weeks before, which broke one of my rules of thumb that you don't date someone right before a big holiday like that. It's just a bad for like relationship. You don't know. You know, you go through Christmas, you break up with someone after Christmas. It's like, but um, that was a bad thing. It ended up we ended up not seeing each other after that. Um, I didn't even know. We, there was no end to that relationship. We just didn't see each other that day. I don't know if she was. I may have done something at the party. I never. I never heard from her again. I went to a Christmas party with her 
like a, a week before, and we had a pretty good time. But uh, yeah, I I didn't I didn't go to her. I, I guess I was supposed to go to her house and never called her. Uh, I was a, a piece of shit about that. I imagine I was. But you know what? I hadn't. I don't think I slept with that girl yet. So it wasn't like uh, it wasn't the relationship wasn't that far along. We had been on a couple dates, and that was very unusual that we'd been on like two or three dates, two or three dates, and we hadn't we hadn't had sex at that point. So, uh, in my head, I thought I wasn't obligated, but I think I had a present for her. I ended up giving the watch to someone. I saved it and gave it to someone for giving it to some girl for uh, Valentine's Day. I know it sounds like a piece of shit thing, but you know she didn't call me either, so either here nor there. I imagine something probably, you know, she was probably upset about something. And, uh, but to this day, I'll never know unless we get to, you know, if that person's listening and they, they come back, I'll, I'll find out. But it was only a year or two more that we had parties like that again. And then that stopped happening. So the Christmas is significantly got a little more organized after that that was late in that was in the mid 90s and then the late 90s I started get my act together and then 2001 I was married and then prison presents were bought a week or two before Christmas minimum uh, you know whether you know it was a happy marriage or not that was another thing, we talk about it another time, but, and then 2007, marriage ends, I come to the Keys, I stop drinking, and Christmas is getting a lot more, what would you call it, organized, concise, and now with my family that I have now, I have, what am I saying? 90% 90% of the shopping done. It is two weeks, more than two weeks out from Christmas. And 75% of the gifts wrapped. All the decorating done. I'm, I'm you know, 57 years old. I just finally had it. You know, it took a pandemic and uh, a little maturation process for me to get organized. And that's pretty much what I have for uh, that. We're going to do a we're, we're going to do a Christmas show, but I just want to do some remembrances. I figure a lot of shows are going to be with a guest host, so I didn't want to monopolize it. So I can monopolize it without anybody else on the show. I want to thank all the listeners. Uh, we have some interesting places. We have uh, Philippines, Cebu, Philippines, and oh my God, from a Christmas town. If there's ever been a Christmas town. I mean, I have listeners in Germany. Thank you, Germany. Uh, United States, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, no Texas. Hmm. What but from the Vladivostok, Russia. Vladivostok. That is some cold-ass place. Vladivostok. And uh, I want to thank you for listening, Vladivostok. And... Uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas. I know if you do celebrate it, most likely you're Russian Orthodox, and I think your big Christmas is on January 6th. 
but uh, yeah, when we start way early here, I know you probably started decorating over there too because you're, you're a month down. And if you are and you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. Get as many listeners as possible. The more listeners you have, more likely I'll have uh, the kind of sponsor I'll need in order to bring on a producer and someone that can handle the social media. I'm trying to work out this stuff with Headliner that could do, they could take the audio and put it with pictures. I wanted to do that. And uh, I'm not talking about video. You say, hey, Jim, that's video. Why don't you just video a show? No, this is something that Headliner is kind of like PowerPoint. And I guess I could do it with PowerPoint, just put it right out there. But Headliner helps you distribute it and all that stuff. For some reason, it's supposed to be better. And I haven't decided whether I'm going to purchase it or not because it's becoming... Uh, you know how I am with technology. But once again, uh, email me at jim at Uh You can also go to our website, www.keysbartender.com. And also, if you uh, follow us on Facebook at Keys Bartender and Twitter at Keys Bartender, drop me a note, leave a review. That would be helpful. And uh, thank you again, everyone. And uh, talk to you later. Talk to you tomorrow, guys.